This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Monday, Monday, the 1st of August, 2022. This evening's first reaction show of the season. The power will be reacting to Blackpool just about beating Paul Ince's Reading uh, to record our first win of the season in our first game. We'll also be giving our thoughts on Matt Scrafton's interview with Sam Sandler and Ben, ben Mansford as the Pool Supremos hit back at some fans' accusations that we're going into this season undercooked. I'm John Aspinall. This is T-Sides Podcast, Match Reaction Show. Blackpool 1, Reading 0. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Seasiders podcast. Apologies for the delay. Someone was messing about with the mic, technical issues, but I'll let him off because he's looking very red and stressed after uh, playing in the heat of uh, the kitchen at KFC filed at the over-50s walking football. Is that right, Tim? It certainly is, um, although it wasn't very sunny. It was... Um... Chucking it down to be polite. So um, uh, we had a rather uh, bit unfortunate yesterday. We got to we got finished runners up in the league, which was good, but not you know we'd all like to have won it. But um, so I got a bit red yesterday because the sun came out in Bolton. No, nobody taking any sun cream. So well, uh, you don't tend to take sun. The two words, sun cream and Bolton. Yeah, don't uh, don't marry up naturally, do you? In the shadow of the Pennines and the satanic mills, you don't expect <laughs> sunshine, do you? Yeah. So they don't. Personally, Go on, personally, I refuse to believe that Tim is over 50. Um, doesn't look it at all. <laughs> they say flattery gets you everywhere. So if you're, if you're ever in need of uh, legal representation... Connor, I think you might get a deal. Just don't don't do it yeah. if you're getting libels against anyone. Uh, he's, on, he's, on, he's on he's on FOC for that. Explain, Tim. Free of charge. Free of charge. Okay. Is that worthy of a Timism? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah. So just apologise for the the audio quality a bit tonight. We just have a struggle with Tim's mic. So Tim, if you can just uh, mute yourself every now and then, I can hear a lot of hissing. There we go. 
Um, oh, it's back. Uh, welcome, Tom. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. You're most welcome. What's that shirt you've got on? Ironically, as we're discussing the uh, transfer um, hit back from Ben Mansfield and Simon Sadler, it's the protest shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a very old protest shirt from... Um, sorry. It's a, yeah, it's an old protest shirt that... Um, was made during the Oyston regime. Um, Is it? I'll just, I'll just make you big, Tom. Just make you big, Tom. I don't remember this one. Yeah. Right. So it was an alternative shirt that was made. Um, I think he'd done it for like two or three years in a row and then, yeah, just bought a few of them during the time where we couldn't buy shirts, basically, and uh, still right. fits me miraculously. Don't know how, but... <laughs> uh, right, so let's let's get on with the show. I think uh, I'll get you off. I'm just learning this new software. Um, can... can Mansford Sam Tim for right back, uh, says Matthew Warrender. What do you think, Tim? Uh, the way I played tonight, I would uh, leave me left back in the changing room. <laughs> no, I'm not having that for a minute. Oh, uh, just, just on the subject of uh, KFC files, I had my son's birthday party at, his, at their gaff yesterday in one of their function rooms. What a farce. It was an absolute disaster almost in the... In the in the function room. I was like basically left to do everything and I had to pay like top door for it. Member of staff didn't turn up. Why um, why didn't you go to BFC? Is there I saw you were at BFC afterwards. Well, no, the, well no if the kids party. I don't think they do them. I would have gone to BFC if they did them. I thought I saw you I thought I saw you in the at, um, in the corner yeah, flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to corner flag on Saturday. So we had a two oh, course wow. we had a two course meal in the corner flag um before the game. That was okay. Um you can't drink in there anymore, it's just for eating. You can't drink alcohol. Well, you can, you can, but you can't just go in there and drink. Oh, yeah. see, you, you can't go in for drink. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a sit-down meal. Anyway, we don't want to talk inanely about food on this show. Let's move on to the football. Um, just think before we kick off, shall we big up the Lionesses for their victory in the uh, Euros yesterday? Absolutely. Sensational. Um, Actually, you know, I, I don't... I, I listen... I'm not I'm not old school about it, but I've never really enjoyed watching the women's game. But I started what I think I was stopped was the quarterfinals against Spain last twenty minutes and extra time. And I've got to say I've really enjoyed the way that England have actually played. I think it's been played some good football and it's been quite good to watch, I think, to be fair. Jesus, what's that? Not me. <laughs> I bought your aces outside Tom's window. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite next to the A12. So, oh God, uh, right. I shall uh, shut my window. In, in in contrast to Tim, I really enjoyed all the shit housery in the women's football match. Like for me, it's just like Jill Scott turning around and yelling at people, "Fuck off, you fucking prick!" You know, seeing the game out with a series of cynical trips to the corner. Like it was just scrappy and violent at times and sort out. And I'm like, I don't know. I so often I think in the quest for acceptance, etc., all because of the way it's covered. I think a lot of time the women's game is portrayed as like a bit nice and a bit cuddly and a bit more family friendly. When and you know, kind of people tut at supporters if they boo players, etc., because it's meant to be like the better, nicer type of football. And I actually really just enjoyed a final that was lots of booing, lots of shithousery, you know, like you'd have at any other football game in the land. Like for me, you know, in addition to the record-breaking crowds and, you know, clear spot in the heart of the nation that it's earned, I felt like that, you know, just 
shithousery was a sign of equality as well, if nothing else. Is she their version of Peter Crouch? He's got a similar kind of uh, gangly build. Jill, what's her name? I'm still Jill learning. Scott. Jill Scott. Jill Scott. <laughs> the German player soon turned around and uh, backed off when she said that. I don't know if anyone noticed. <laughs> I think I would have, to be honest. <laughs> but actually, you, could, you, you could kind of snap her, though, couldn't you? Like, like Peter Crouch, almost. I wouldn't the, want to try. The, like, the other thing I would have to say, it was great, apparently, in, in the German newspapers today, they were whinging like, like Billy about the VAR decisions, which is great, isn't it? Because how many times have them, that lot, had us over in the men's game? And uh, it's quite nice to have them bleating for a change rather than it being us. I did enjoy seeing their players crying, actually, at the end. It make, that makes a nice change, doesn't it, to see uh, bereft Germans crying up sat on the pitch at Wembley. Oh, yeah. To be fair, they were crying last time and beat them as well, weren't they, to be fair? So. The men's team as well. It's a shame yeah. that wasn't in the final, though, wasn't it? They made it a bit sweeter. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed... First of all, the BBC's clear attempts to try and drag players for interviews when the players just did not want to be interviewed, like Chloe Kelly doing five seconds of an interview and then running off to go and celebrate with some fans. Like just watching all the joy in the celebrations was just brilliant. Just like Leah Leah Williamson just absolutely yelling in her post-match interviews for no reason. Brilliant. I've just noticed as well today. I don't know if this is a coincidence. The community trust has been successful in its license uh, to have an FA Girls Emerging Talent Centre uh, for the 22-23 season. Sounds like another yeah, initiative. Yeah. And the community trust does some fantastic work, and that's, that's good to see as well. Yeah. Right. Also, we've got the Sadler and Mansford interview that Matt Scrafton's done. Shall we put that on ice or address it now? Uh, I think it's the latest news, so we might as well address it first. Mm. Tim, let's come to your considered thoughts. What stuck out to you and what you've read? Look, it's very hard reading articles on the on the Gazette website. <laughs> well, if, if they're listening, do a Patreon. I'd pay to read with all that crap on. Yeah, I, I think I think Mike, the, the two or three things that I take out of it. One, I think it, it seems to re- be a reaction to ABFTT yet again, um, and and you don't get you, you, you're looking through a prism when you. Um, read ABFTT and I think the con- the concern I have with one is I think there's a perception that the, the gobshites on ABFTT a- speak for the rest of us which which they don't necessarily do the, the second thing I, I would say is um, it, I, I wish there was more, if there was going to be this type of transparency that it was done a little bit earlier rather than it being reactionary, I'd rather be proactive, you know we've got Tangerine TV, we've got We've got the Gazette, we've got Lancashire Live, we've even got the podcast if they want to use it. But, you know, it, it would be nice to hear these things. We did reach out to them as well, didn't we? Hmm? We did reach out to them via yeah, the SLO. I'm I throw us in because, you know, we are we are an option, but I think they've got their own media that they, they can more easily use. But I just sometimes wish, it's like the thing with, listen, I'm not going to pop at the muckers, but the only, the only fans group who's got who's, who's heard anything about Michael Appleton's strategy is the MSG, which is a reaction to them bleating about, about Sam as manager in the first place. And I just, I just wish it was a bit more... We do a lot, so much things that, that we do, so many things that are good. But I think our, I, I think the communication from the club could be immeasurably better. Um, it, I think, I think, I think Cameron Brannigan was a reaction to 
to the bleeding that we didn't get out. And it seems it's just it just I just wish we wouldn't react. I just wish we we hear it, you know, whatever they want us to hear, they, we hear it up front rather than when people start bleeding. That's part of the problem though, isn't it? It's you're only here it because people have been, they don't want to tell you that beforehand, do they? So it's a reaction, if that makes sense. Like they're not going to tell us previously if they're not if no one moans, they're not going to come out and say all the things they said today. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think they should, you know, be much more upfront with these things with the fans. Um, but because the whole the whole thing just stinks a little bit, in my opinion. Like it, they, I don't. They just kind of said you don't know what it's like. You don't know where we. You know where we were crap basically um it's a reaction to the fans of course it, it tells us where they're at of course but they've just told us that we are going to keep trying to sign players we are going to do this we are going to do that we are competing well we're not competing because we haven't signed any of the targets that we want to sign we've got four weeks to go we are undercooked and we are growing off the pitch but it's a substantial investment off the pitch and, and not enough on the pitch and i think even the next six weeks or so we'll come to see that you know, regardless of the win on Saturday, that we will be struggling in, in, in seven to ten games' time. That isn't me calling Appleton out or anything like that at all. I think his strategy is very good. I just don't think he's going to be given the tools to do the job. I think what what Tim, I'll bring you in next, Connor, just, I think I agree with what Tim said and the, the fact that there's a complete lack of communication, not a complete lack of, but I think the communication could be better. I think these fans' forums are a bit stimmied and what people can and can't say. And I think if there was more of an open forum and an open flow of information and communication between like fans, fans like every fan, not just someone who dishes out a load of abuse to uh, to Michael Appleton, and then you get an audience with him. I thought that was a bit weird, like Tim said. Um, I think if there was more communication going on between all the fans groups, um, the club, the board of directors, I mean, I think things these things kind of wouldn't happen. But yeah, I think... We all are on the same side, and that's what's annoying. We don't want to be nitpicking for nitpicking's sake. And I think it's just a few bumps that can be, be ironed out and everything will be okie-dokie. But um, but me personally, I agree with like 95% of what was said in that article. And I do think we do need to take a bit of a step back and realise how far the club has come in the last three years, which is great for Simon Sadler. And I, I fully appreciate what he's done there. Um, Connor, your thoughts on what was said? Yeah, you know, I think I'm well down, you know, well pegged now as being part of Team Sadler. I, I fully back the owner and I think the progress over the last three years has been incredible. Um, I think, has it been a quieter window than I would have liked? Yes. Are there plenty of good reasons why that would be the case considering we had a new manager? Yes. Um, like, I just... And I think also we're probably not giving enough credit because we have this recency bias. I don't think we're giving enough credit to the work done last summer or kind of two summers ago, putting a lot of players, really good players, who have turned out to be very important to us onto long-term contracts, which would never have happened under the last set of owners. Um, I really got to read the kind of tone of the press release itself and I guess the kind of style, sorry, article, not press release, Freudian slip there. Um I just didn't quite get the tone, like Tim and Tom said. It just felt weirdly defensive and weirdly reactive. Like, there was a great bit buried in there around kind of how we can all get behind Blackpool. We can get a £10 junior Seasiders membership for kind of the young fans. You know, get a shirt if you're a business. Can you get a box, etc. You know, there's all ways we can get behind the club. 
And if you want that to be your message, if you want it to be a positive message of getting behind the club, things are difficult on a low budget, get behind the club, make that message. But instead, it just got hidden behind what felt to me to kind of like very defensive messaging around actually we're doing okay, we're doing great, we're making loads of progress. And then finally, I kind of think, and this is my view, but I'm going to judge the club at the end of the season, whether we've stayed up, we've gone down. I don't really care much about what's happening now. It's just noise. And personally, I think if you're the owner and CEO of Blackpool Football Club, that's all you should care about as well. Like If you're so certain you're doing such a great job and you're so certain you're getting it right and you believe that to the fullest extent, what does it matter that like people on Twitter or people on the forums are saying? Like you're the CEO of a football club, you're the owner of a football club, your investment, you're your are successful businessmen and investors in your own right. Just own it. Get on with it. You don't need to issue this article or defend yourself to the fans. You just need to make good decisions. And like, as fans, we're not entitled to all that communication. As long as there is a well-run football club, which can only be judged over the long term, I just don't care. And I just don't understand why they seem to have caved and cared about this to the same extent as well. <laughs> I, I don't know if you mean like literally we're not entitled to this communication. I think I think we have, I don't think we need it every week, but I do think there needs to be some maybe clearer indication throughout the time. When, I don't I don't know. When you say not entitled to it, we do support the club in many ways, and of course, I don't know. I just I, I like it when they come out and do things, but at the same time, like like you just said, it, it's a weird article, like. I don't like the tone in the sense of they're telling us where where we were and, and I, we all get that we're growing. But I think a lot of the reaction is to the fact that we are missing out on targets which have been put in the public. But also on the flip side to that, the arrogancy of potentially Mansford when he, you know, when he came out and kind of smirked and said, we won't go ahead and not buy a player because of money. And then we're literally missing out on targets potentially, you know, with a Brannigan thing. He may never come, I don't know, but because of money or because we're not maybe making that, that risk on a player. I'm not saying spend five, 10 million on a player. I don't want to put us in that position where we're going to be bankrupt. We- yeah. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Because I think- so apologies. What I was going to add is because what we know about the Brannigan deal, and, that, and it was fantastic podcasting, by the way, listening back to that, which as which I did on, um, <laughs> on Saturday, coming back from Chester. Well, um, that was heavily edited. I think the, uh, Matt believe- me and, Myself and Sean were uh, beavering away, uh, editing that considerably. But I think we did a reasonable yeah, it job. Was, it was it was it was fantastic to listen to <laughs> as it as it panned out and developed. But um, what I would say about the Brannigan deal is that if and I don't know whether this is for certain, but it's not unusual for um, certain players at certain clubs uh, to have provisions in the contract that says if somebody comes in on more money, that you get parity with them. And um, I don't know whether Blackpool is still doing that, but most certainly there was. There was, there was, you know, I'm aware it happens. And I suppose the risk is, I don't think Blackpool are expecting Brannigan or Oxford to offer Brannigan a double your money to stay. And all of a sudden that means they've got to up the ante to a level that they're clearly not comfortable with because it, it's going to have an impact on, I think, on, on the overall budget, not just for Brannigan, but also for the rest of the squad. So I, I can sort of follow where the club club is on that, but... I almost feel like our transfer strategy this summer has been reaction in the same way we've got a reactionary communication. I think a lot of the transfer strategy seems to be reactionary as well. Again, I think Brannigan, the going for Brannigan, the triggering him at the stage we've triggered 
seems a reaction probably to the fact there was criticism floating around about the fact we've missed out on other deals and, and, a, and a way to placate what was being said on social media. And I don't, I don't know whether that's right or not, but that's the perception I got. And I'm thinking, you know, if, whether we change manager or not, we're meant to have this, we're meant to have uh, this structure that isn't where we've got a, um, a head coach and, and the, the actual transfer strategy is, is elsewhere, you know, is, is being governed elsewhere. And so, you know, I can sort of understand why we why we pause a bit so that so that Appleton can look at what we've got, but it just seems a bit like we're throwing the the, the darts at a dartboard with a with our with a blindfold on, and I just I just don't get it, and and I, and I just think it's reactionary. I think we're reactionary there, we're reactionary with our communication, and I sort of agree, I agree with Connor to a degree about it's up to the club to manage the level of communication that's coming out. Um, but if you're going to do it, do it. Mm-hmm. Proactively, not reaction. That, that's all I'm saying because you know I'd actually agree with Tom. I think there's, I think there should be a certain level of communication, but not in response to people bleating on ABFTT. Um, it should be, um, you know, admit, you know, we, we have these structured dialogue meetings, which I've never been to one, I've never been invited to one, but they are very. To, I get the impression they're quite staged. That, you know, there's questions submitted beforehand. You know, and you know, and if you if you if you want to engage with the fans, maybe you just get in front of them and and, and not not everybody, but a selection and and let people apply and 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 hear what they've got to say and answer it and stream it. Maybe they should stream these structured dialogue meetings and everybody can listen to them. Mm. Why, why wouldn't you? Uh, it's just I, I I do find it a bit frustrating sometimes because I think there's a few people who shout very loud and um, and and everything seems to evolve from that rather than from where it should be, which is the club. Yeah. Okay. That was our piece said on the uh, communication from the club, unless anyone's got anything else. I'd just like to give a shout out to, I think, can't remember if it's Cardiff, I think it's Birmingham, all the Birmingham City fans who don't even know who own, like, like there are genuinely championship clubs at the moment who don't really know who owns the club because the level of transparency is so poor. Um, like yeah, no, I completely agree. So I don't. I think as fans, we need to be aware that you know a lot of the people in these clubs run them like businesses. I think Simon Sadler is still pouring money in, trying to run it to the business to the best of his extent. I think it's easy to feel entitled to stuff as a fan, but that might not always be the case. Um, but like, but I completely agree with Tim. If the club is going to communicate, it should do it proactively and own it rather than this weird reactive defensive tone that they strike when they don't even need to communicate at all. Yeah, yeah. maybe less said the better, I don't know. But the, if, if you read it or if, it, you know, if fans haven't read it yet, I just, I just don't like the fact that they said, you know, things like, did you realise we've signed players from like Man City and Liverpool? They are one of the two biggest clubs. Ben Woodburn came from Liverpool. Doesn't make them good players. Um, you know, Tyrese John Jules, Arsenal. Tyrese John Jules came from Arsenal. Like, don't <laughs> don't sell us up up the stream and say oh, we've done all this, we've done all that. I, I we we are the luckiest we've been for a very long time. And you know, don't get me wrong, recency does come into it, as Connor said. And but we can't not question new owners because we didn't question previous owners we can't just let them go and do what they want to do like at the end of the day you are going to have critics you are going to have opinions on things and i just think the previous window with the whole brannigan situation as well there is there is a consistency with us not doing deals with the players that we want and i think appleton expects more 
from the window when he was benched and interviewed. I don't know, but we'll see come the end of the window. I'm not judging them now, but we haven't been planned at all. And that's the thing that pees me off the most. I think we knew when we were up, like Tim said, we have a head coach role and we have a recruitment team. That recruitment team has therefore failed to do its job or to plan to do its job better because we're now reacting and pressing the panic button and triggering causes that we can't even close a deal on. Um, so I think we need to see what happens in the next few weeks before we make a full judgment on the side. But apparently Connolly's now right back. Connolly's now right back according to the to it. You know, they're telling us we're not as underprepared as we were at Forest. If that's the bar, then Jesus Christ, like you can just use that as the bar for the future. We say, like, oh, you know, it weren't as bad as football with the pitch isn't as bad because we had it under the oyster. It's really bumpy and really sandy. It's not like that now, so we should all be happy. It doesn't work like that. We are fans of a football club that we love and it's our life. You know, at the end of the day, if they don't see it that way, or you know, Ben Mansford certainly won't see it in the way the fans does if he doesn't support the club. He, I know he wants the best for it, but don't come out and be arrogant and borderline lie on Tandering TV. Just be honest with us. Budget's not as big. Budget's the same. We're going to really try and do business with players. Instead, we're now got to say we're never going to sign a player because suddenly there are 40,000 seats in their stadium. Yeah, it was, it was just, just a tad condescending. It was, it was a bit condescending, just, it, wasn't it? It's just ridiculous. Just come out when Critch left and said, we've got a plan. You know, we are going to keep the club secure, blah, 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 blah. Don't say we're not going to not go ahead with a player because of money because the budget's bit. It's just a load of crap because it just comes to the end of it and, and you've lied because we can't close a deal and we, we haven't got the money to spend on those players. Be truthful from the start and then the fans will be consistently at a level where they're on, on side with the board. Don't then go and change in this interview and say we haven't got the money or the budget to do these things. Okay, well, let's just open let's um, open this out to the comments. Um Listeners, viewers, uh, what did you think of what you read today? Um, I'll have a quick one from um, Phil Holmes. Sure, Sam Sadler was proactive when he did his thing about prioritising the training ground and East Stand. Anyone want to address that? Yeah, but we're talking about communication. Um, the club are doing some fantastic stuff. You know, I mean, I went in, um, I went in the um, in the north on Saturday, and there's now a, um, which we wanted to do three years ago. We did, Obviously, it got carboshed at the time, but it's back up. You know, there's a bit of a fan zone there now where people can go and have a beer and a smoke, uh, which is great to see because it alleviates the pressure on the north bars and refreshment counters. So we, there's stuff going on. And I know we have a bit of a little bit of a dig at the Moretti Lounge, um, but, you know, the Moretti Lounge will, again, it gives another option just as a Heineken one does. You should get a free pint. You should get a free pint for a tenner. Possibly, possibly, but if you sign up for the season, it's only about six pound fifty. So um, I suppose it's which way you look at it. Um, all, all those things—they are doing some good stuff. You know, there's stuff going to be coming on with the uh, uh, at the east. We're not, you know, we're not Phil. We're not criticising the club over everything they're doing. What we're saying is the communication is reactionary. That's that. That was the the criticism, and that's the that's the criticism that we were talking about. Not not everything else. So, you know, we are. Very, very fortunate to have the owner we've got. Um, but I just, I, I just want to see us. But I think, I think, I can't remember John or Connie, uh, or Connie used the word own the communication. And that's what, I see, that's what I want to see the football club do own it. Not, um, you know, we know, we know, we know, we know who bleats the loudest on ABFTT. And, and there is far too much reaction to that. And that's got to, it's got to stop. It's, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, from this one from Dave Whiteside. Let's get you. Tim, um, did I read it right that he wanted some outside investment? Is that worrying or just the way football is done now? Question mark. Yeah, I didn't read it that way. Did no. 
Yeah, well, well, it said the club needs capital investments. I think it's... Time for a quick break in proceedings to say, if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods, please consider joining our Patreon support programme. Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades, and our drinks tab at the dog. Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better, and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return, like all the podcasts before general release, backstage access to us and our guests, exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod to find out more and hopefully sign up alluding to the fact that we potentially need to sell to buy um, players potentially to make a profit and then buy again. Um, but it, it also, it, it, oh, sorry, Connor, it also, I read it immediately as they need some additional investment. Um, but I think that they're, they're talking about the players need to be sold, i.e. Bola, if we're going to invest into the players again and, and run it the way that, you know, it should be done, which make a profit, buy, make a profit again. Um, so I'm not too sure. Yeah, I I re yeah, I think Sean's got it right in the comments here. Capital investment kind of is normally investment that is not in your business as usual. So for example, the UK government has very strong spending rules, or is meant to have strong spending rules, which limits, you know, the percentage of spending on day-to-day stuff, but those limits don't apply to building roads, building hospitals, building infrastructure all that kind of long-term, hard-to-deliver stuff that really puts you forward as a nation. When I read capital investment, I think about stuff around the training ground, like the East Stand, getting facilities up to scratch, um, all that kind of big stuff, which will take away from the playing budget to an extent. You know, I think I don't think it's unfair to say that Blackpool is a championship club with training facilities that are League Two at best, um, potentially even worse. You know, that is probably the biggest long-term need of the football club. It's the only way you're going to get, you know, Cat 2, maybe even a Cat 1 eventually academy, which is the only way you're going to get young players through and move to that kind of sustainable model you need. It's interesting as well when I spoke when um, going back to one of the previous pods when I said attended a player of the season awards. Hobby said that the Blackpool lost so many players down to the, the lack of decent facilities because at the least it's the guy's workplace, isn't it? You know, and if you've got a choice between going somewhere where you've got all the equipment and all all the all the support that you need to make yourself the best you can be. And you've got basically got a same or similar offer from another club where you're going to be working out of a broom cupboard. Broom cupboard. Then you're going to go to the the one with a nice shiny office and the and the and the, and the big Apple screens and that, that gives you the vibe that you, you you're actually you know doing the you know you've got all the tools you need to do your job. So you know, and it's sometimes it's down to things like that that make decisions for players. It's not all, always all about whether you're offering them an extra five hundred pound or five grand. In some cases, five grand a week, extra, whatever it is. It's down to playing time, working environment. Whether you think you're going to play, and whether you think you're going to improve as a footballer. So, um, massively, massively, always been the case that we needed to address that issue, and it's fantastic that Simon. Is is in a financial position, hopefully, to deliver that, and um, that that will be that will be 
the late, uh, you know, if nothing else, a huge legacy from his perspective in relation to his investments in Blackpool. When Ollie Turton went to Huddersfield, you start talking about how much more professional the facilities were, etc. How much more they had over Blackpool. They've got know, a nutritionist, Colour. Well, they've, they've got a nutritionist. What a great, what what a great environment it's been. And I'm sorry, but if Ollie Turton, of all people, <laughs> is mouthing off about how the facilities need to be better, that really tells you something. Like, that tells you something about the need that even Ollie Turton is having a dig, a player of that quality. It's a joke. I don't like I don't like your sarcastic tone there, Connor. He was a good he was a good uh, player as only turn. Anyway, just to lighten the mood before we move on to the game, Dan BFC's just said maybe we need Barry Fry instead of Mansford to try and make Squire's Gate sound like the Ritz. I love Barry Fry, me. That famous interview when he's negotiating with that player that does the rounds. You're not gonna get that. Right. Should we move on to Reading? We've lost Tom a bit. I think he's just sorting out his connection. So I'll put that to bed anyway, and let's move on. Let's move on to Reading at home, which is one nil. Um, gents, if you look at the screen there, this is the new style of design for the the player lineups from the official club account. Do you ever get the feeling that the the graphic design has kind of fallen out of love with his craft here? Um, Two tone tangerine and white, and that's it. I quite like this. Do you like the minimalism? Do you? I like the minimalism. It's very clean. I like how they've done the Reading logo. That is black, or you know, it's tangerine and white rather than full colour. <laughs> so it just sits there nicely. And more importantly, I like that they haven't ordered it by like kit number. They've ordered it by position. Oh yeah. Like it just makes it so much easier to read and navigate and understand. The only way they could put it do it better is by sticking the formation on there, like what Watford have in there team announcement today so or, 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 or indeed like uh, the seasiders podcast oh, exactly yeah exactly by our patented team picker if, if any other uh fan podcast streams would be interested in purchase a license uh drop a drop a message in the comments and we'll thrash out a deal just to compare and contrast that was uh <laughs> that was reddings beautiful piece of artwork there and they've even got the uh the the hipster arm global warming temperatures uh, gauge on the left-hand side as well. And there's Consistency. There's that, mm, that fella there, Mr. Ince. Anyway, let's just go back to our lineup and discuss what we thought of it, which was uh, Grimshaw, Carnley, Epiteta, Reese Williams making his debut, Dom Thompson, another debutant, Matty Virtue, Lewis Freeney, another debutant, Sonny Carey, Josh Bowler, Joey Yates, and Gary Medine. Anyone have any initial Thoughts, worries when they saw that. I think I think, I think right. the surprise, the slight surprise was um, was Keshi, wasn't it? Which um, I don't think did anybody know prior to the about one o'clock that Keshi was on crutches. I know it got announced in our patron chat, didn't it? But um, the the official world did. He's done his out. MCL, whatever that is. He's out for two months, isn't he? But so I think we were. I was most certainly expecting to see Keshi start. So I think when I see the, when I click on and check the team sheet, the immediate thoughts are, "Where's Keshi?" Um, and and obviously you can see Yates has come in and I presume he's going to play out left. Has everyone heard the rumours um, of how he got injured? Yeah, apparently Medine. No. <laughs> Genuinely, that's the way you want to get in injured, training. isn't it? Big guards falling on apparently. you. <laughs> That's what happens when you mess with big gas. Sorry, Tim, go on. Yeah, so that, that, that was the one that was the one and also I was slightly perturbed by the fact that 
Um, Matty, Matty Virtue got the nod ahead of Dougal. Um, oh, here we go. Right on cue, Dennis. Right on cue. There we go. No, he wasn't, Dennis. No, he wasn't. I think um, the only thing is, other than Keshi being out, I think it actually shows. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Either Appleton sent a message to say, buy me a piss and winger, or he doesn't like Hamilton or Dale. I wouldn't know why, um, but he wanted to start, obviously, Yates there instead as a wide winger. Um, so wide winger, as a winger instead of the natural wingers we've got there. So he obviously either likes Yates for his ability on the ball or he doesn't like the options he's got in that position. And and for me, I was I was probably 50-50 whether Dougal was going to start, but we'll come on to whether we think that was the right decision or not in the end. But good to see Dom Thompson start with a garb as well. Good to see that trust early doors. Okay, on to the game then. Connor, uh, Blackpool started very brightly in this game and it kind of wasn't a surprised to see us go 1-0 up with uh, what can only be described as a, a thunder bastard from the, for, the <laughs> former lower league, uh, league one, lower league donkey, formerly known. Um, someone might have called him that, uh, Callum Connolly. <laughs> well, I kind of, it, I think it was a great team goal. You know, I think you had Matty Virtue kind of come up into that left half space, almost acting a little bit like a winger. Play what was actually a really good cross in, and also the only thing I can really remember Matty Virtue doing that game, but it was a beautiful cross in that Bowler hit straight at the keeper, but with a lot of power. Keeper naturally spills it. And then Callum Connolly playing in, you know, that position of right back somehow beats two or three Reading players to the ball, um, even though they're all closer to it, and powers it straight past the keeper at a narrow angle. Like it was just an absolutely brilliant finish from a player where... I didn't expect it. Um, maybe that's just my expectations of Callum Conley are wrong. I seem to remember him scoring a really good free kick at some point last season. That was very surprising. He scored the, he scored the last goal of last season and the first goal of this season. So. Yeah. yeah, that's like knowledge. Maybe he's just Tom. got more finishing yeah. ability than I give him credit for. Um, just, just, he doesn't, college, he just very... enjoy his try, but I think it's just... Sorry. It, it, sorry it's, it annoyed me on the, um, the FL highlights because they were saying... Callum Conley only scored twice for Blackpool last season when he scored already. I was like, well, what did you expect? Like uh, 20 goals a season from a, whatever from he is. A right, from a right-back <laughs> from centre-back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, from a right-back on centre-defensive midder, from a centre-midfielder to a centre-back. Like, he played in every position he could last season to help the team out. So you wouldn't expect loads of goals from him. Um, Sean just Sean just said, Critch did have the idea of Conley being the player to arrive at the in the box at the right time. Um, he does have a habit of doing that. 
and scoring. He does. He does. I think. I think. Of, of probably he's in. If, if you're in that position, the box is one of three or four players I'd want to be on the ball in the box. In that scenario, Yates probably being another. And um, I'm trying to think now who, who else. Maybe Keshi um, as, as well. And maybe and maybe Carey because you know there's a few others who would struggle to hit the proverbial barn door from that position, wouldn't they? And mm. he almost thought he's reminded me almost of like a not quite it's not quite as good as him, but almost like a, a Marco Van Basten style finish the way he lashed it across from the side and and um, and, and hit the roof of the net at the other, at the at the at the far post. Absolutely he's, superb. He scored um, the. Um... From memory, didn't he score the goal against Middlesbrough in the EFL Cup last year as well? This bit screamer from the edge of the box. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the, the free the free kick was when was it when we played Birmingham? We won. Yeah, four six, four, six one. one six one six one six one whatever it was. Yeah, so that was a fantastic. But he, he does he does have an eye for goal, doesn't he? he? Does. And, um, and, and if he ever gets to play in, in his preferred position and, and where we think his preferred position is now, I think he'll chip in with a few goals over the season. Yeah, um, enough. Uh, you, you can't really say enough plaudits about him. Really, he's mm. he's great in whatever position you seem to put him in. Um, yeah, if any Premier League clubs would like to buy him so we could buy a proper right back, please do get in touch. <laughs> um, Matthew Warrens has just said uh, the atmosphere on Saturday was. Wired, I think weird. it's weird. No one wanted yeah. to chant. Uh, me and Tom trying to get the atmosphere going. Um, I was actually sat in the the northwest for this game because um, I was with my family. All to sit together. Um, is that true, Tom? I've heard it louder. I have heard it louder. Yeah, naturally, it was relative. I think because of the, the timing of the season and people's holidays, etc. I think it just felt a bit more emptier than maybe fans expect. I'm not sure. Crap support from Reading didn't help. But just I don't know. Like to be some. Do you not do you not think part of it is down to the fact that just I thought the first half the atmosphere was okay, but we're playing we're attacking the opposite end and and, and the, the the area that tends to generate most of the atmosphere is obviously the north. So we we're always going to be slightly louder in the second half, but the problem is in the second half, apart from the first five or ten minutes, we were as we're gonna go on to discuss, you know, we we're on the back foot, weren't we? And I think that naturally muted the atmosphere. Yeah, did um, yeah. Let's, let's talk Tom Ince. Uh, obviously, came in for uh, a lot of flack during the uh, first half, particularly because that's where the end. He was taking corners, was in the north, and um, he went on a surging run at one point. And I was thinking, oh god, he's going to score. I think sometimes it's a bit of a, a folly to give away teams' players a load of shit because they really want to ram it down your throats. But thank, thankfully, he didn't. Did anyone? Was anyone impressed with him at yeah. all? No, I think other than that, he was a bit basic. When he that actually came from a Fiorini um, being tracked down by him, lost possession. I think he was trying to you know find some space, and he got actually pushed down. And they caught us on the counter. So it was one of those times we'd lose the ball, and we were quite back. I think Fiorini uh, Tim was uh, very impressive in the first half. I thought he faded a bit in the the second, but um, mm-hmm. he added that much uh, a touch of class to the central midfield. I think we've been lacking last season. And, and he was playing very, very deep, um, but very effectively, wasn't he? And he was he was almost playing the equivalent of the American football quarterback role where he was sitting deep and pinging balls to bowler, out to Yates and whatever. And uh, he, the, the first, I mean, just, he was just, deep, that first 30 minutes, he was just by far away the best football on the pitch and, and dictating the pace of the game. Um, and uh, it was just a pity he didn't have the right, 
midfield partner alongside him who <laughs> um, got the ball in the Whoever are you talking about, Tim? No I, I, I couldn't comment. Uh, Connor, how so we've gone in one 0 at half time. How do you think we, we performed generally in the first half? Were you happy with what you saw? Yeah, I think broadly happy with what I saw in that first half. Like, very attractive, free-flowing, passing football. I was said, fearingly brilliant, kind of acting like a Scottish Perlo um, with these kind of long <laughs> diagonal balls. You know, I think as Tom said, he got muscled off. And I think in the comments it said as well, he got muscled off a few times by Tom Ince. And I'm a bit worried if your defensive midfielder is getting muscled off by Tom Ince. Um, but, you know, I'm sure Appleton will work on that with him. You know, maybe we'll see Google their next game and fear any high up the pitch. We'll have to see. Um, the only other thing that really concerned me, because he gave it away a couple of times in the first half, and then maybe once or twice more in the second half, was Marvin Ekpatessa looked uncomfortable on the ball. Like, like he, he was still brilliant defensively, made a couple of really important contributions and challenges and blocks. But passing out from the back... Yep. I didn't know. seem to really suit his game. Like he gave it away cheaply a couple of times in dangerous areas. And all I can hint was, I'm glad, you know, we've got a Reese Williams or we've got a Richard Keogh to play us beside him because, you know, they just offer that on-the-ball quality that I don't think Ekpatessa's built into his game yet. So I just think that was an adjustment Ekpatessa is still making for how Appleton wants us to build play. Appleton isn't just kind of loop, you know, hoofing it to Medine at the first side it goes wrong. And I think Ekpatessa is still coming to terms with that, learning that system, learning how to cope with that. And, you know, I'm sure he will do it because he's a fantastic player. It's just a, a bit of narrative to watch. Tom, as the uh, chairman of the International Marvin Ekpatessa fan club, how do you react to that? Yeah, I watched the game again back today. Might have been a bit hazy due to the Guinness that I was drinking on Saturday. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I watched it back today. And uh, yeah, Marv did give the ball away um, at about three, I think three or four times um, defensively fine. And I thought um, he played a few decent passes, but at the same time, he didn't look too comfortable. But I think his first game back after being ill, I know he played at five. That's been, you know, not very testing for him. But I think he'll come good. I just. I just don't think he's got the right protection in midfield of being on that. I think just to summarise that first half, I think we were very comfortable. Maybe could have attacked, you know, a little bit more with with um, um, vindiction. But at the same time, that when we did get caught or where they had the odd counter, we did look vulnerable. And I think virtue offers very little um, to to that midfield because he's not a very structured player. So Fiorini, who's a natural eight, played in the six, um, and then it left sort of virtue and caring to do too much to control the game. And, and they therefore left a lot of space in that midfield. And that's where he got caught a couple of times as well. So four by five is our most creative and best player, but also was left vulnerable because of the protection around him. Uh, Tim, I could see you chuckling. I think it's at the same comment that I've just read, which is this one from Marcus. And uh, I'd feel top tentative playing next to a knobber. I feel for him. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think the jury's slant with me with Williams, to be honest. I yeah. Williams did really well. Uh, uh, I'm um, a, I'm, hmm. I just think, I, I think he, the, the, the positive is clearly Klopp sees the player in him. And, and I think he's still not wanting, now whether this is a legacy of the, the shit he took when he first signed, because of course he reacted to it as well, didn't he? And maybe he doesn't want to make a mistake that could. Um, sort of tarnish his reputation with Blackpool fans. But he, he looks like he's playing within himself to me. He looks like he's 
he's nervous. Um, and I hope I hope that's that that he's going to you know um, play a slightly more positive game. I, didn't, I don't think he had played a bad game. He just looks like he's playing within himself. And I, I think it's going to be a difficult decision for Appleton when Keogh's fixed. I think my gut reaction is Keogh and Marv give us the best pairing. Um, but as we know, it's a long season and the players will get injured and, and particularly Keogh will need games to rest as, you know, he's not, he's no spring chicken. So he won't be able to play 40-odd games for us. We'll, 30 might, 25-30 will probably be outright. So, you know, Williams will get his game. But I just... I just, I, every game I've watched him, I just think you can see he's a player, but I just don't think he's I don't think he's shown his confidence yet in the same way that that, that he might do if he'd been here for well, hopefully when he's played ten games, fifteen games. I think I'm sure hopefully it'll come. Um, hopefully, I just think it's a case of of getting the right players in the right position. I know I keep banging the drum for Dougal, but you know where Dougal will be when they get the ball, and it will always be defensive side of the ball where virtue won't necessarily be there. And, 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 and if you, you know, we don't really want our attacking players playing quite as deep as they were playing on them um, uh, as fear, fear, I can't, and I can't actually get Lewis Capaldi, call him Lewis Capaldi. Lewis Capaldi um, <laughs> was on Saturday where some, he, he was the last man effectively. He was, he was the, he was the, you know, the, the, the peg of the, the three midfield where, for me, you want a really defensive midfielder in there and let your attacking players push a little bit forward. He did well in that first 20 minutes, but maybe that's maybe didn't analyse. I've not had a chance to watch the game back, but maybe like Ince then realised, you know, closing down quick from the forward positions and you're going you're gonna to cut out his opportunity to ping the ball about in the way he was doing it. But, and I want to see him doing his stuff on the edge of the area, to be honest, rather than our, Mate, always <laughs> our defensive third. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not who... That is. It isn't, isn't no Appleton wants there, for that's, that's for sure. Mm. Um, one thing I was just quickly on William, just watching the game back. When we score, there's a camera angle where the ball hits the net and he, and he does this and he runs straight over. So I think he settled into the side quite well and that was quite refreshing to see. Um, Leon's just said what I was thinking. Um, I don't think he's confident enough without Keogh and Big Marv. Marv. Marv on the ball reminded me a bit of when he was playing with Michael Nottingham, if you remember those uh, awful days. Ooh. The best centre-back partnership we ever had. <laughs> you said, Tim, I still remember it, the worst centre-half partnership that we've ever seen. But it was. I, it was. I, I stand, stand by it. it. I stand by it. They, they, they were dreadful yeah. together. Yeah. And I think that there's something in that. And I think... I think um, Leanne, Leanne's right in that... I noticed she can come on here, but she can't come on the show. I don't know what's going on, but... Um, <laughs> Um, just a little dig, Leanne. Um, but I, I think I think I think I think Marv uh, is a lot better when he's got somebody really good next to him, and I think that brings out the best of him. And I think Keo brings out the best of him. And hopefully, you know, as Williams uh, improves and, uh, and 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 establishes himself, he will as well. But him and Nottingham, Jesus Christ, I, I still have nightmares about it now. Yeah, uh, the jury's jury definitely out with me, for me, with him anyway. So time will tell, I guess. Back to the game then. Uh, Connor, big chance on um, 52 minutes. Junior Highlight slid one in at the back post and shot thankfully saved by Grimmy. And following that, eight minutes later, big Gaz rising like a salmon at the back post and the North was holding its breath, expecting it to go back where it's come from and nestle in the uh, top corner or the 
the far corner anyway, and it was a it was a bit powder puff, wasn't it? And I was expected a bit more from Medine there. Yeah, you know, headed chances like that are always difficult. Um, I'm sure Medine's time will come. He's just getting all his bad finishing out now. You know. <laughs> That kind of those two snatches on the line against Everton also spring to mind. If me and Mitch should have been uh, sat together, that would have been in the back of the net. Just putting that out there. Sure, whatever you say, John. <laughs> um, I thought Junior Holet was actually Reading's best player. Like, you had Tom Ince on the right doing like Tom Ince stuff and like being very average. And then behind him, further down the pitch, somehow not being given the same freedom, but doing a lot more with whatever freedom he had was Junior Holet, who I thought created most of Reading's best chances, yeah, including the one you just referenced. And for me, that's a concern because that Reading right-hand side was where a lot of their, their big threats came from. And that's theoretically where you've got Jerry Yates working hard, probably a fair bit harder than Josh Bowler, again, based on my two perceptions of the players, as well as Matty Virtue um, there as well. And I just kind of, I kind of worried how, exposed we seemed down that left flank and how much space there was at times which again like I was kind of hoping the one thing you get from Jerry as a winger is kind of like defensive solidity because of just how hard he works and I don't think we really saw that so for me that the junior hurt was Reading's best player and for me that's another maybe x in the Jerry Yates winger experiment you know another sign that maybe that hasn't panned out quite the way Appleton would have wanted don't don't you think as well though in in a, in a four three three you, you you're gonna it's a little bit like in the Premier League you you put a lot of pressure sometimes on your fullbacks aren't you because if you've got if you've got an, an opposition who's who's loading the midfield which Reading seemed to do particularly as the game went on then then you're gonna you're gonna I think you create issues particularly if if you if your your white your um your your wide men in the, in the three don't really drop in goal side of the play when you've when you've lost possession. And I think the problem is when we've got Bowler and and, and Jerry who are both very, very attacking, um, I'm not I'm not sure that it, it necessarily works. I do I did actually in some respects quite like like Jerry out there, but I just think I always think a four three three personally really exposes you to the risk of being doubled up on the on, on the overlap. And uh, good job we had a decent left back in who we haven't mentioned yet. Dom Thompson, um, yeah, brilliant! What a debut! A debut, um, and uh, I, I liked his attitude. I liked he seemed to be, he seemed to be very very quick over about three or four yards when he needed to be to sniff out um, some danger. Very tenacious in the tackle, didn't hold back at all. Just got right stuck in there. I think he was a proper left back, uh, Tim, wasn't he? A proper defensive mid. Yeah, you get hopefully if we get to the point where we've got Gable on the one side and him on the other, you know that we. I did. I don't think. I don't know. I don't remember seeing him go forward in, in as much as I thought we were going to see him go forward. But I thought his defensive game. Um, I thought he um, is, is probably the most tenacious we've seen. Most certainly. I mean, you know, you don't get tenacious and Garbutt aren't two words that go together, are they? Um, and uh, he's head and shoulders above. Um, Garbutt. Uh, Garbutt at the moment. I mean, so, uh, I'm, I'm a traditionalist with defenders. I like the their main um, attribute to be good at defending, and uh, anything else is kind of a bonus after that. And uh, he think, certainly you know, fits that mould. 
I don't know what we've paid for him. And obviously, normally when they don't say anything, it's because they're not paid very much. Generally, isn't it? I, I tend to find, but I think he's. I think he's a, a quite an astute acquisition, to be fair. And as much as I was critical before about the about the fact that I think we've been we've been had the blindfold on and chucking um, darts at the board, um, we've we've hit if not the bullseye, at least double top with him. I think. And um, about the twenty five, Tim, out of ball. Outable, outable, maybe. But I generally think we've 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 got signed a player there, and I love the way he seemed to really um, get. And he hasn't seen it the best yet. The north, and he came over at the end, and he mm. seemed quite quite emotional about it. And, as long uh, as he didn't do that, yeah, we don't want any well, of that. And he tweeted at the fans afterwards, specifically referencing the support, etc. I still think it made a great impact. John, can you bring up Sean's comment in the um, comment section? Because I think actually, Tim, your comment around how we never really saw him get forward is, I think, also linked to your comment around why we play a 4 3 3. So, mm-hmm. kind of, I think what he's asking the fullbacks to do is come narrow, as Sean says. So you kind of got your five attacking players pushing up and doing neat little combinations in the wing. And, you know, that's probably a mixture of Yates, um, Virtue, Medine, Kerry and Bowler. And then he's just asking Thompson and Connolly to kind of almost join Fiorini a little bit deeper, creating kind of a midfield free almost. That can just any time, any, any indication of a counter-attack, any loose possession, they can kind of charge in and try and stop it at source. I don't think it really worked because, as we saw, there were loads of space on Reading's right down our left. But I think Sean's absolutely right that he's not asking the fullbacks to attack in any kind of traditional sense. He's doing the very kind of like elite manager thing of asking the fullbacks to tuck in a little bit in the midfield. And if anything goes wrong, they can be like the free safety or the kind of you know hit button in case of emergency stopping counterattacks. Which is which is that almost like the 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 antithesis of the, the Holloway version, which involved the full-backs steaming forward along with everybody else, didn't it? So. Absolutely. Sean's reply to that for the benefit of the audio pod is yes, I knew I could spark a 10-minute kind of tactical discussion with that. Right, it's not the Sean McGinley show, this. Let's move on. Uh, Matty Virtue subbed Tim on 65 minutes for um, your boy, Kenny Dougal, what do you think was the uh, thinking in Appy's Appy's uh, mindset there? And did Matty well, Virtue we, do much in the game? Because I saw a few people uh, saying he didn't do much. Yeah, well, obviously, other than he was actively involved in the goal, to be fair, um, and, and it was a great cross. And listen, I don't actually mind him, but I don't want him. I don't. I don't think you you, you play him ahead of a player who's actually going to break. You know he's going to break up play properly. Yeah, it's, the, it's not Virtue's game, is it? That role. No, no. Yeah, he's, I he's, agree. He's, he's more. He's more attacking and driving forward. I've, I thought and we played Virtue in the red. It, it, it took it took the, our, our most creative player in some respects out of the most effective part of where he could play his game because he was having to do that. He ended up doing that role more than Virtue did. So, but, so listen. I'm not, I'm not, it's not an anti-virtue thing. I just think Dougal is. If you're going to play four-three-three, I just think Dougal is, is a better player in that system. Oh, as Connolly would be. As Connolly would be. Dennis is sorry. Just let's rewind a minute. We forgot about this, Dennis. Thanks yeah. for pointing that out. Um, what about the great run, bowler run that hit the post? Yeah, Dennis. Um, thanks for pointing that out. It was a um, fantastic bit of skill on the, the foray on the right hand side, cutting 
beat two or three players. It was a it was a thing of beauty. Curled it in. It's hit the post and just come back at that unfortunate angle where it's not gone in. Come back to Bowen, who was a bit off balance, I think, Tom, wasn't he, to get anything meaningful on the rebound? Yeah, definitely most creative outlet, especially in the second half when we when we got the odd counter-attack. But if I'm being hypercritical, he's got, he's got to finish it. But at the same time, he's very unlucky with... If you look at the position, he's, in my opinion, he should score. But um, How many other players you know, can get in that position to get that shot away? He, though, but, but, but as I was literally about to say, <laughs> so to the words right in my mouth, he's made that chance out of nothing yeah. on the wing. So he, he, that's you know that's where Bowler is for me. He, he Sorry, mate. Sorry. I was going to say, I think he was slightly off balance because he, he's, he's ridden through three. Yeah, and I yeah. think he was leaning back a bit, and um, and uh, am I might, you know, it, like John says, it was a, I'm right behind it. It was a thing of beauty. It's what you, it's what you pay your money we, for, we, isn't we, it? We've just got to take things like I don't, I, you know, whether he will be gone in this transfer window with us, stay. I don't know, but um, you know, what when you see somebody do that in a Blackpool shirt, it's just fantastic. It was so unlucky not to go in, but I yeah, do but think he was off balance. I think he, he hadn't quite got his balance back, and he'd done everything. To be honest, he'd done everything right. And nine times out of ten, it'd have gone in, wouldn't it? Yeah, if, it, if if he goes, we're in trouble because Keshi's now out. Um, Carey, where he sits in a four-three-three, he was very creative, but better in a four-four-two-three-one, in my opinion. Yeah, he, I don't know because he he was even better for me. Like at the start against Red, I know the opposition isn't as good as what we we'll play, but. He was just even more exciting in a sense of the way he glided through players. Maybe I just missed it. I don't know, but he was he was sensational on Saturday, and he passed the ball a lot more. I think as Leanne's pointed out, in positions where you think you're potentially trying mm. to the to the odd thing, what he did is try to take on six or seven players. He did go knock it out to the wing for a cross or something like that, which happened a lot more. Which, yeah, I, I just I think it'd be devastating if he left. I think his overall work rate was um, noticeable as well. Tracking back, yeah, yeah. actually tackling. So he, yeah, go on, go he on, was at right wing back at some point early in the first half and actually, ex- I think it was the 13th minute catcher back. He actually executed an offside track and yeah. got a Reading player called offside. And I was yeah. like, yeah. is this Josh Bowler like in that position doing smart defending? It was really great to see. Yeah. But he just he's brilliant. He's a fantastic player to watch and I really hope we do keep and as I think as Tom just said there, devastating would be the word if he did leave and unless there's a, a... It's it's horrible, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah. if we if he if he doesn't go he goes for free and if he if he, you know if he's if he stays obviously we get we get the creativity of him, but if he goes we get potentially three or four million and to invest. So it's one of those ones, unless we can convince him to sign a, a year or two year contract with a with a the contract clause. I hate to say that those two words together at the moment, but um, hopefully someone could trigger it five or six million, for example, and we get, we get the best of both worlds. But we'll see. Give it. Give him an Mbappe style contract where he can sign all the players <laughs> he wants. Like, see, we solved a Ben Mansford problem, and we solved a Josh Bowler yeah. problem. What's this, Connor? What? What's this? To keep the PSG in order to keep Kylian Mbappe put in into his contract that he would have significant input on all transfer decisions. Seriously. Yeah, he has the ability to <laughs> tell the club who he thinks they should sign and be involved with the talk around the uh, round table, so to speak. And he can take his ball home if he doesn't agree with uh, the transfer policies and turn the lights yeah. off the floodlights. <laughs> yeah, I'm game. Tim, you're looking a bit bemused there. And and silence. Hang on a sec. 
Go on. Spend Leanne for a comment about Dougal, because clearly we're going to fall out big style if she comes on one of these pods. She hates Dougal. Dougal isn't Dougal the best isn't player. The best player ever. Did you say that, Tim? Did you say Dougal is the best player ever? No, I didn't say he was the best player ever. No, no. Said, but she's saying he isn't the better player. No, no. Tim ever. was saying there's better to play Dougal than Virtue, and so she's responded with Dougal isn't the better player ever. But she's literally she has no clue about Dougal, so she's awesome. <laughs> There's going, to, there's going to be some fireworks which comes on. Anybody who doesn't understand what he brings to the team um, has no place on this podcast. Is that what you're going to say, no. Tim? No, yeah. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to. I'm, being, I'm, I'm a black baller at this point. <laughs> and he's got the best song, so you know. Well, I discussed this earlier with Leanne. He has the best song, so. Uh, I'd... I do like the concept of being blackballed. It's the Masons thing, isn't it? Where if the every member they get a bag of balls, don't they? And if we want to bring a new member in, everyone has a vote. Is it uh, white one if you want them in? in one black ball from any member, out you go, or you don't even get in. I think or we should. Should, should we do that? Should we do a live yeah. blackballing uh, <laughs> stream? Oh, have we lost John? Have we? No, he's back. No, he's back. no we haven't. Right then, as the game uh, was, like was I think we, I think we kind of just saw the game out. I think it's an accurate description, but it was a, a weird situation to see. Was it five substitutions in total? Yes, back. I think the, I think that rule was brilliant, but it also lures you into the fact that you could change things too early or bring too much on to change the game. So I think that will come with time again, learning that. But it's definitely better to have five subs than three, in my personal opinion, because it just gives you a lot more options, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm going to hate myself saying this, um, but I actually think we looked a little bit more defensively solid once CJ came onto the pitch. I don't know, it was just his height. He headed the he ball, was, Connor. He got a couple of he, he, he was able to head the ball and like just stop the ball being in dangerous areas and get it out a little bit. Like On possession, I still think he was useless. But, you know, out of possession, like his height offered a little bit got to a couple of the clearances. Just scares people with his pace. He just knows they're <laughs> going to be caught as he's given the ball. Um, yeah. Was anyone Does worried? He people with his pace anymore, though. I think he did in, in League One. Yeah. I think if he's chasing really... you, know I mean, not when he's on the ball. If he's on the ball, he's already passed it to the corner flag. So. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to man of the match then. Uh, Lewis Fiorini was man of the match. I didn't agree with that. I thought it should have been... Dom Thompson, personally, I thought Fiorini was very good in the first half, but faded quite badly in the second half. And gave the ball away quite a lot. Nah, Fiorini was my own match for me. Like, I thought he was incredibly impressive and pretty much key to all the way we tried to build up on the ball. I just, I just think he ran out of steam after 16 minutes, but I don't know where... I, I would not have watched the game back, I suspect that... Um, uh, Inst did a bit of a job on him and just closed him down a bit, and maybe they, you know they realised this. You know they they probably focus on trying to stop him playing. But um, I think yeah, everyone looked everyone looked knackered after sixty minutes. I don't well, know. Thompson, Thompson got Thompson got cramp as well. That's why he was down yeah. for a while. Um, Col- um, Callum Connolly was a you know obviously scored the goal, but his just overall game was uh, he was he's got to be right up there as well. It was a brilliant performance. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I think Tom, who, who, who do you think then? Uh, as debuts go, then for me, I think Thompson was quite vital um, at the back line, and he, you know, got forward and he put in some good challenges, and he covered Williams in the first half, who got beaten an absolute corker for pace, and he just came across as Tim said, he used his three or four yards of pace to clear the ball. I think 
for someone that hasn't played for a while and he's come straight in, um, for me, he probably gets pipped. Uh, he, he probably pips me in that match um, for me as well. But there were some good solid performances, but we've got to remember the opposition we were playing. And I think, you know, in other games, we, I know his first game of the season, but I think it's going to take a while for this potentially to, I think there'll be some bumpy roads and it's coming up, but we'll have to see how the team copes with different opposition. Okay, um, just a well, one an hour and ten, so we'll just close off now. Any closing thoughts on on the game itself? And I think Sean mentioned this game is a free hit, so I think it's, they were very poor. Reading, um, I, f- I found it a bit worrying that they were camped in the our half, like the more or less last half hour. And I think a better team would have dispatched us reasonably comfortably. Yeah. So I can't, I don't, I'm not taking much from this victory, and I don't think we've learned a great I- deal either. I think a slightly more physical team would completely just overrun Virtue, Fiorini and Carey because they're all brilliantly technical players but can all get missled off the ball quite easily. And I think a side that just presses, like Reading were doing in the second half, like the side that just has a bit of a well-put-together press, I think will put Fiorini and Equiteta under pressure and create quite a few chances from that. I... You know, I'm happy that we got the three points, but I still have significant doubts over what this squad can do and how this squad will fare in the championship. I still think it's going to be a long season. Um, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. we'll probably stay up, but it won't be comfortable. Tim, closing thoughts? I just think that four-three-three, just really developing what Connor was saying, I think we're going to have to learn to play two defensive midfielders in that three for certain games. Otherwise, we are going to get battered, and um, we need we need we need um, Stewart to be involved. We need Connolly in there. We need and despite Leanne's protestations, we need Dougal in there. Saw Kevin Stewart yesterday, by the way, at KFC filed um, training a bunch of um, what like toddlers or young children. Didn't look very injured to me. Training to be what footballers or real estate brokers? Uh, he did have a huge set of Lego and Duplo bricks on the uh, <laughs> on the pitch with a few bags of pennies. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, he was actually there, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we'll be coming back uh, hopefully on a preview show for the, the Stoke game. Um, Stoke. Thank, yeah, Stoke on Saturday. Uh, thanks ever so much for the pal for joining us. Thank you for watching and your contributions or your views and listens out there makes the show better um if you're watching on youtube please like and subscribe to the video hit the notification bell that helps you get notified whenever we do release new content so it's worth doing i know you hear it on all youtube videos and it's about pain in the arse but that's why and all right to be said is thanks for watching thanks for downloading and up the So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon supporter program that we are running. This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Seasiders pod. You'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month. Price of a pint. And for that, you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members whatsapp group you'll get some exclusive podcasts competitions so we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in and we are going to be running an extra time 
podcast, which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons. So if you want to sign up, patreon.com forward slash seasiderspod. It'd be great to have you on board. Thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.